from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. For those of you that know the show, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora airs live every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT directly on that live stream, and then you can pick it up with the live stream on wakeupcalldt.com's homepage as well. So we're typically Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern time, but this is a Sunday special, something special for you. The reason why I'm doing it is because I am live from Detroit, Michigan, and in the middle of the round of 64 and the round of 32, I wanted to make sure that we did a show that allowed me to share with you my conversations with the winning teams from each of the four games that I was at this week that happened on Friday, March 16th here in Detroit, Michigan for the round of 64 in the Men's Division One NCAA Tournament. So today you will hear from the Purdue Boilermakers who won over CSU Fullerton. You will hear from Butler who won their game over Arkansas, Michigan State who won over Bucknell, and of course Syracuse who defeated TCU. We're going to break down the games, give you a little recap of what happened in each of those games, how these teams won, and if it was close and where it was close and, and who did what when and just how the game kind of broke down. So to give you on your radio waves something that will hopefully allow you to close your eyes, not if you're driving, please don't close your eyes if you're driving, but you know what I mean, to close your eyes and envision the court, the basketball, the game, the madness. And you'll hear from players from every single one of these winning teams. In today's broadcast, you're going to hear from the Purdue Boilermakers, Ryan Klein, Dakota Mathias, as well as Isaac Haas. You'll also hear from the Butler Bulldogs with Aaron Thompson, Sean McDermott, Keelan Martin, as well as Kamar Baldwin. Michigan State Spartans in today's broadcast. You'll hear my one-on-one conversation with Lou Rawls, Tum Tum, Naren Jr. You'll hear from Kenny Goins, Nick Ward, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And from the Syracuse Orange, every single player that had playing time in the game up against TCU. You'll hear from Barama Sadibe, Matthew Moyer, Pascal Chuku, as well as Marek Dolajai, O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle, and Frank Howard. There were seven players on the floor for Syracuse, and all seven of them will be on the broadcast today, just like all six of them were in the broadcast in the play-in game from Dayton, Ohio, when I did that live broadcast from Dayton, Ohio. So I want to thank Dayton, I want to thank Brooklyn, New York, and I want to thank everybody here in Detroit, Michigan, for welcoming us onto your airwaves and giving me the opportunity to broadcast live from Detroit, Michigan, to all my listeners in central and upstate New York, up and down the East Coast, all throughout the region, obviously down to Florida, my second home, the Midwest, the West Coast, and so on and so forth. So thank you to everybody that's tuning in. I greatly appreciate it, and I'm very happy to be with you on this special Sunday broadcast, Sunday, March 18th, to be able to bring you an extra show, a bonus show, because as you know, with travel and game times and everything that's going on, sometimes it affects that Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time special. So when I can get you an extra show, when I can give you a special broadcast, especially one that's live on location from somewhere that 
you know, we have the blessing of being, and in this case, Detroit, Michigan, I want to make sure I get these out to you. So let's get started on this very special in-between round of 64, round of 32 that I have with you, Purdue, Butler, Michigan State, and Syracuse, all of the winning teams in interviews one-on-one from inside the locker room with every single one of these teams as Purdue will take on Butler, Michigan State will take on Syracuse, both games for the right to get into the Sweet 16. So very much appreciate them. And Purdue and Butler inside of the East bracket, Syracuse and Michigan State inside of the Midwest bracket. So without further ado, let's get started here with the morning menu before we get going. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The morning menu every single Monday through Friday and in this in this special Sunday broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're going to get things started with the Purdue Boilermakers and get into that game that they had against CSU Fullerton and this matchup that they had, the two-seed versus the 15-seeded CSU Fullerton Titans. And let's get it started with what went on in the game, and then we'll get into my one-on-one conversations with the Purdue Boilermakers. Teams that are given a two-seed in the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Tournament have an all-time record of 124-8 and versus 15 seeds heading into this year's NCAA tournament games. The second-seeded Purdue Boilermakers made sure to add another W to that record with a win over the 15th-seeded CSU Fullerton Titans in Detroit, Michigan in the round of 64. CSU Fullerton led only once in the entire contest when junior guard Khalil Ahmad connected on a jumper that made it 12-11 Titans with 10-20 remaining in the first half. Purdue took the lead back less than a minute later at the 9.39 mark of the opening half when sophomore guard Carson Edwards laid it in at the rim to give the Boilermakers a 13-12 lead. The Boilermakers would hold on to the lead from then on for the final 29 minutes and 39 seconds of the contest. They got out to as much as a 10-point lead in the first half and would take a 9-point advantage into the locker room. In the second half, Purdue poured it on even more, raising their lead as high as 31 points before winning the game by 26 74 to 48, one of the biggest wins of this year's NCAA tournament. Before competing in this contest, the Boilermakers had not played a game since their Big Ten Conference Championship loss to the Michigan Wolverines on Sunday, March 4th, a span of 11 days in between games, almost two weeks because the Big Ten decided that they wanted to get into Madison Square Garden so bad, and that's obviously the home of the Big East tournament, that they started their tournament, they ended their season early, started their tournament a week before championship week, and so just so they could be in Madison Square Garden and be in the Mecca of basketball and be in New York City to get that tournament in. So once the tournament's done, all the other teams are playing that whole championship week. They're sitting and waiting for games. Good to get your body healthy, good to get you ready, but at the same time, you're away from basketball. So it's the there's that positive, not so positive. There's the, hey, we got extra time, and we can just kind of you know get our bodies well and, and get situated and get some guys healthy again. But then the other side of it is you're not playing in any competitions for almost two weeks when these other teams are literally going from a game to three days later playing or four days later, five days later playing a game. So in half the time, they're getting back out there on the court again. 
With that being said, Carson Edwards and senior forward Vincent Edwards led a balanced attack for Purdue in this game, which they were able to handle, both with 15 points, followed by senior guard P.J. Thompson with 11, senior center Isaac Haas with 9, senior guard Dakota Mathias with 8, and junior guard Ryan Klein with 7. And like I said, Isaac Haas, Dakota Mathias, and junior guard Ryan Klein will all be on the show today in this very special broadcast live from Detroit, Michigan, Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on your airwaves right here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT on Sunday, March 18th. Junior guard Kyle Allman Jr. led all CSU Fullerton players with 21 points, but unfortunate news followed the Boilermakers' win with Isaac Haas being ruled out for the remainder of Purdue's time in this NCAA tournament due to an elbow injury that was sustained in the game. He seemed to be okay. You'll hear in the conversation that we had right before the news came out that he sounds okay, but ultimately, shortly after the game, I think it was like within a half an hour or so, a little bit longer than that, within an hour after the game, we find we found out that the seven foot two Isaac Haas, center for Purdue Boilermakers, who's averaging just shy of 15 points a game and six rebounds a game, will not be available for the number two seeded Purdue Boilermakers in the East bracket as they move forward. Terrible news. But you always hope that it's the next man up approach. Purdue's had a very strong season, and you'd like to hope that that'll con- continue. You know, obviously, if you're a Boilermakers fan, but just in general, you never want to see a team be counted out or go down because they don't have somebody. And you know that Isaac's going to want the best for his team. He's a senior, so this is heartbreaking, but he's done so much up to this point. He's brought so much to the squad, and obviously he means something to this team. And, you know, that family approach, that family atmosphere, hopefully guys like Ryan Klein and Dakota Mathias and so on and so forth. And, you know, Carson Edwards and Vincent Edwards can pick up this team, P.J. Thompson, and move this team forward. And speaking of moving forward, here are my conversations with the Purdue Boilermakers as we continue inside the morning menu here in Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora's special live from Detroit, Michigan. Ryan Klein will go to first and foremost. Here's what Ryan had to say to me as far as moving on in the tournament into the round of 32. Um, I mean, obviously, it's awesome. Uh, we're just we're focused on, you know, the our uh, next obstacle and the next team we play. So um, it's either going to be Butler or Arkansas, and we're looking forward to the challenge of whoever we play. Being here in Detroit, just what you could say about you know being in this area, obviously as part of the Big Ten, you know that Michigan is grounds that you guys understand yeah. all too well. So just you know what it's like to be in familiar territory. Yeah, um, I, I've actually never been to to this city specifically, but um, I, I mean, we went out to eat the first night and it, and it looked beautiful. Um, just being able to to just come here and, ex- and experience a new city I've never been to. I mean, obviously you saw a lot of Michigan State fans out there. And, um, I mean, like you said, we're in familiar territory, so we're, so we're just happy to be here and uh, be able to hopefully play for a sweet 16th bird tomorrow. What can you say about the Big Ten and what you've been able to take away from the conference this year, just what you can say top to bottom it felt like? Um, I, I mean, obviously it was uh, it was very challenging. Um, I, I mean, I feel like we just had so much talent and there were there were just so many teams that could, that could just play well on any given night. And... Um, I mean, I mean, like you saw with, with with Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, they were what last or second to last in our conference, and they just came out, you know, c- kind of blazing. And they were uh, they're very talented, and just like all the all the teams we face. So, um, I mean, I feel like the uh, the Big Ten conference is you know one of the best conferences in the country. When you look 
and it's you know this locker room and look at the guys around you just what you could say about this team and this unit this year if you're primed to do something special because it seems like you guys are on a mission that feels a little bit different than maybe the past couple seasons and that there's a lot of life and a lot of expectation in Purdue so just what you could say from the inside out knowing that from the outside in there's a lot of people kind of hoping big things for this yeah I mean this team is this team is as special as it gets I mean we just have so much experience and um, and we just have so many people just playing for each other just because we're we generally care about one another just not as a basketball player but as a person and uh, and I think not a lot of teams have that and um, I, I mean we're trying to win and we're trying to win for Purdue and the person next to the person next to me or you know Dakota or, or anybody like that so um, that I, I feel like that's why our team is special and, and we want to at least make a deep run in this tournament besides you know the, the family aspect and really truly caring about each other what else did you see that started to kind of put things in the right place and pieces in the right place this season for Purdue um, I, I mean I feel like we just wanted to be great um, I mean there's so many people that worked on their game individually and, uh, it, and that kind of came uh, came in I mean we went to Taipei uh, in the summer and that just like kind of really uh, got, got the season going and uh, it got it got it going in a great way so um, just being able to play for each other and and uh, really caring about your development and and, and how you uh, play for this team, how, how your part is for this team is uh, is big time, and I'm really excited to be a part of this team. You guys handle a 15 seed without a problem, but 13 seeds, 11 seeds had won in the round of 64 already. Just what you can say about across the country, just what you've been seeing from other conferences and knowing that seeding doesn't really mean anything when you line it up. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I mean, every team is, has earned their way in the tournament, and, um, and we know every team is a threat. So, um, I mean, you know, March is, uh, is a time where, you know, crazy, crazy stuff happens. And so um, we're just looking forward to the next game, and, uh, and we're excited to see who we play. Thanks, yep, no problem, absolutely. That coming from Ryan Klein of the Purdue Boilermakers, and next up is his teammate Dakota Mathias. And I started the conversation with Dakota about playing in Madison Square Garden early on, having that early tournament that I mentioned earlier here, <laughs> ironically here on the broadcast, just what he could say about having that early tournament before he went into the NCAA tournament. Here's Dakota on that. Um, I thought it was cool just to play in the garden again in that atmosphere. Um, I wouldn't think you know too much of it you know, with the rest and all that, but you know it was fun to you know play in the Madison Square Garden. When you had that experience in the garden, just what you took away from the Big Ten tournament, and just you know how that helped you come into the NCAA tournament. I mean, <coughs> no, for me personally, this is our you know our senior class. So it's our fourth you know Big Ten tournament, so um, we've been through it before. You know, playing those, we got to the championship twice, so. Um, just come a little short. I think it was more of a motivating factor than anything. That you know we gotta we got some things we gotta you know shore up in order to you know make a run here. Madison Square Garden being a part of that, being in there. I mean that's where the Big East tournament has been for a long time. But because you were able to go there a week early, Big Ten got to be there. Just what you took away from MSG and what that experience was like for you. Oh, it was fun, you know, playing you know, in the gardens where you know so many prestigious players and you know, NBA guys have played, so it was just a good experience overall. And then to look at this team, I spoke with Ryan about it, just what you have taken away from this year's team. He spoke about the family aspect, that there's a lot of care and concern for one another, just to go a little bit deeper on that on your side. Yeah, definitely. You know, he hit it right on. It's, it's more of a family thing. You know, we're, so, we're all pretty close. We've been through a lot together. Um, you know, we, we went in this the right way.
What did you go through together that you could utilize right now in March? Uh, I think just all the adversity and all the negative experiences. Um, there's no substitute for experience. So you know, when you have losses and you know things that don't go your way, I think it brings you closer together. We've had a lot of those throughout the years. What are some that maybe stick out? Is there a moment of adversity or a game or something that you can kind of pinpoint and go back to that maybe you saw as a turning point or as a special thing? You know, just the, all the losses, you know, in March. Um, you know, getting beat in the first round, being upset uh, when you're not supposed to. Those things, you know, stick with you and um, definitely motivate you throughout the offseason. You take care of a 15 seed, but there's 13 seeds that have won, 11 seeds that have won. Just what you could say about the tournament as a whole and how once you get to March, really, truly anything can happen. Uh, you hit it right on. I mean, every team's good. Uh, they deserve to be here, so anybody can win any time. If you're not ready to go, you're going to get beat. What does it mean to be a Purdue Boilermaker, in your opinion? Just what you could say about what you've learned from this team, what you've learned from the guys in the locker room, and what you're taking forward. Um, just to play the right way, have fun, play hard. From there, we move on to my one-on-one -on -one conversation following the game with Isaac Haas. I had this conversation with him right before the news came out that he wasn't going to be able to play anymore in this NCAA tournament due to an elbow injury that he sustained in the game, in the victory, over the CSU Fullerton team. So here is Isaac Haas. You're going to hear our conversation. You're going to hear him, and it's really sad, you know, toward the end of our conversation when you hear about him just wanting to get back out there and play and help his teammates when unfortunately we know that he cannot. Here's what Isaac had to say, say first and foremost with our conversation about the Big Ten tournament being early, earlier than championship week, a week earlier than championship week, if he felt that it was helpful for the team or if it created more adversity. Um, I think it helped a lot, but at the same time, it also kind of made it made us rusty. You know, obviously, it's um, it's a little bit awkward to kind of come out after two weeks and not playing after you've just been in season for so long, just going back to back to back. But at the same time, it rested our minds and bodies, and it was great. So I enjoyed it. What did you take away from the challenges of the Big Ten tournament as a whole? Uh, I think you know that. <laughs> Everything's good, you know. Everybody's fighting for a, a postseason, you know, berth, and now that we're in the postseason, everybody's just fighting to go out on top. Um, we, we understood that it was going to be a, a tough game, and that uh, you know, Cal State Fullerton was going to come out as hard as they could, and we just wanted to hit first. Looking at uh, Madison Square Garden before we get into this tournament, just what you could say about that? I mean, the mecca of college basketball, of basketball in general. Obviously, the Knicks are there. Just what you could say about what MSG meant to you, and what it's like for a guy like yourself to be in that type of arena. I didn't really think about it the second time I was there, but my first time I was there when we played Arizona State in junior year, I think, that was the first time it really hit me. Um, but, you know, it is pretty cool. You know, when you go up there, uh, you're playing your tournament there in front of all those people, and that was really, really, like, fun, you know. And um, it's, it's kind of cool. You just get all the exposure and uh, you get to play on for some of the best players I've ever played, you know. It's, it's just interesting. As the second seed, you're able to get this victory without too much of an issue against 15 seed at CSU Fullerton, but 13 seed won in day one of the round of 64 and 11 seed won. Just what you can say about the field itself, the field of 68, and just what this tournament has become knowing that it doesn't really matter where you're seated. They call them upsets, but teams win every single year that are ranked a little bit lower. I don't think there's such thing as an upset. I think every team earned their way there, and every team's a great team. Obviously, they're good enough to be here, you know, and um, if they're good enough to be here, they're, they're as good as, you know, Villanova or Virginia in my eyes, you know, and that, that's why I try to play as hard as I possibly can. I understand that, you know, this may be my last time on the court. 
Purdue has had the wrong side of you know the win-loss in an NCAA tournament, and there's been some good feelings in the past as well. Just what you can say about this year, this team, what makes it special, and, and what makes you feel that you could be primed to make a run in this. I think that everybody shares the ball, everybody gets a piece of the pie, and everybody just you know enjoys it. They play for each other, and that's just what makes it fun. What is it about this family specifically? Maybe a guy or two that you've learned something from or taken something away from. Just what you can say about maybe some mentorship that has been given to you or you given to somebody else. Uh, I think I think I've done a pretty good job mentoring Matt on not talking to the refs and uh, <laughs> you know not fouling so much. But uh, I think also uh, there's there's been some cross you know mentoring as well in his, in his aspect of just you know keeping me in, in focus on what I need to do uh, on the post and then and then you know you have these guys just keeping me calm, understanding that, you know, everything's happening for a reason. And, uh, you know, uh, it's all kind of just one big, like, blur, honestly, like how everybody just talks to each other and everybody just keeps each other in line and our heads right. And, uh, you know, this is a great team and probably one of the best teams I've ever played on. Despite not winning the Big Ten uh, tournament, just what you could say about this season, things just seemed to line up. You guys had respect nationally. You were able to get a number two seed. Just what you saw from this, is it something that you saw in the beginning? Did you see this like September, October, or did it kind of just build over time that the pieces were falling into place? And then secondly, just what those pieces have been. Uh, I knew that we were going to be a good team. You know, I thought that it was a, a loss, obviously, losing Biggie, but then we adapted very well in Taipei. We, we, everybody grew into their role. Everybody played well, and um, I think we did a really good job just kind of accepting what each other are doing and playing around each other. And uh, once we did that, you know, the pieces fell for us, and uh, we kind of saw what we were doing and wanted to keep it going. What does it mean to be a Boilermaker, in your opinion, now that you've had this experience? And like you said, you've been able to be a mentor and come up through the program. What does it mean to you? Uh, just being tough, hard-nosed, but also a family guy, understanding that you know we're blue-collar people. We don't come in and uh, just assume roles. We, we come in and we just work hard, and we, we commit ourselves to the daily process of being better. And um, when we do things like that, that puts us in a great position to be successful, and uh, that's where we are today. And lastly, for me, like I said, there, there was that, uh, that gasp in the arena with your elbow and everything. Just what you could say about playing through it. I mean, obviously, this is right after the game, but just... You know, guys all throughout the country say, no matter how I fall or what happens, my leg breaks, put it back into place. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like at this sure. point in March, you don't want to not be out there. Right, yeah. I mean, I'll be fine, honestly. Um, it, it hurt pretty bad. You know, it's, it's going to be swollen. But, you know, it's like you said, it's just a matter of just getting back out there and playing. You know, your team needs you, and uh, you know, I'm going to be there for my team when they need me. And with that coming from the Purdue Boilermakers, one-on-one conversations with Ryan Klein, Dakota Mathias, and Isaac Haas, we will take our first step aside for a fast break here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in this Sunday, March 18th special coming out of the round of 64 and into the round of 32. You are hearing my conversations this morning in this special broadcast live from Detroit, Michigan with all of the winners from the games in the round of 64, Purdue over CSU Fullerton, Butler over Arkansas, Michigan State over Bucknell, and Syracuse over TCU. Coming up after this fast break are the Butler Bulldogs. This is a wake-up call fast break. 
Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar is your home on the water for every season. Join them on Wednesdays for all-you-can-eat wings, chicken thighs, and drumsticks from 3 to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, join me, Dan Tortora, for live game show night. A new night out unlike anything you've played before in central and upstate New York every Thursday at 7 p.m. And while you're there on Thursdays at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar from 5 to 9 p.m., join them for the barbecue all-you-can-eat buffet with buffet-style sides, ribs, and pulled pork chicken thighs and drumsticks and on wednesdays and thursdays all day happy hour you know how to get it done right at muddy waters kitchen and bar on two oswego street in baldwinsville new york 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Coming out of that Purdue-CSU-Fullerton game and those conversations with Ryan Klein, Dakota Mathias, and Isaac Haas, it's now time to talk about the second game that I had the opportunity and the blessing from God to be a, a part of and be able to go and to cover that and live my dreams every day is that Butler game where Butler went up against Arkansas. And, and let's be honest with each other. If you're not picking Butler in every NCAA tournament to at least win one game, you haven't been paying attention for like the last, I don't know, 15 years. <laughs> the the Butler Bulldogs, and, and the title of my story is the Butler in Detroit with the win. Bulldogs advance. And obviously that's a joke on Clue where you say, you know, Mr. Green in the kitchen with the wrench. So, same type of thing because the butler did it, so to speak. So, the butler in Detroit with the win, but the Bulldogs advance in this game. And here is a recap of what happened in the matchup, and then we'll go from there, and you'll hear from Aaron Thompson, Sean McDermott, Keelan Martin, and Kamar Baldwin. And Keelan and Kamar combined to score 51 points for the Butler Bulldogs in this game, a team that, you know, in history – beat teams by playing a game where they won 51-50 or 57-50 or 54-57 or whatever it may be. So just kind of interesting that these two gentlemen together scored 51 points in this game where Butler was the 10 seed and Arkansas was the 7 seed. So the Butler Bulldogs may have come in as the lower seed versus the Arkansas Razorbacks, but anyone who's ever watched Butler play knows that you cannot ever count them out of a game, especially when it comes to tourney time. They're one of those teams that's brought the term March Madness to true life over the years and pushed for more nationwide respect of teams outside of the so-called Power 5 conferences. In the first half of the opening half, 10th-seeded Butler was ahead 21-2. to They opened up the game on 7th-seeded Arkansas. As a result of their 18-0 run, Arkansas from the SEC and Butler from the Big East. A 10-0 run by the Razorbacks brought their deficit from 21-2 to 21-12. Then with approximately 5.50 left in the first half, Arkansas had cut the Butler lead to 4, 27-23, as a result of a dunk by freshman forward Darius Hall. So we see Arkansas made a total push in this game. And that's the thing. When you saw Butler up 21-2, I was like, this is great, this is wonderful, but this is also March Madness. So a team that's up 21-2, especially Butler, who's that team that, you know, it's like, are they going to, aren't they going to, and some people want to pick them and some people don't. Like I said, you're crazy to not pick them for at least one game to win in the NCAA tournament, wherever they're seated. You want to see a 16-beat-1, which we did see finally. Butler would be one of those teams that maybe could have done it sooner. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where you see a team up 21-2 and you know it. You just know. You're like, okay. You know, this isn't Kentucky, this isn't Kansas, this is Butler. So something will tell me that they're not going to win this game by 40. They're not going to win this game by 30 or whatever it may be. Somebody, you know, Arkansas is going to come back, and they did exactly that. A three by senior guard Daryl Macon made it a one-point game immediately after Arkansas had some help from Darius Hall. So the game was 27-26 Butler in the first half. 
Razorbacks would take their first lead of the game, courtesy of a three by sophomore guard C.J. Jones in the first half. Butler would respond immediately, though, to tie the game at 29 off of a jumper by their sophomore guard, Kamar Baldwin. Then the Bulldogs somehow blew a two-on-one opportunity in transition with just horrible decision-making and passing. Guy jumped up in the air, and he waited to pass the ball, and the defender, I give him credit, he was there in close quarters, but the guys on Butler didn't separate enough, and they chose the pass late, didn't really know what he wanted to do. It looked like if he had passed it off sooner, it would have been an easy dunk, if not a lay-in, but somehow turns into a turnover. And I I know my coaches in high school, if I stole the ball on a two-on-one where I'm the only defender, I'd be the friggin' hero of the team for that game. Butler reclaimed the lead shortly after with a layup by senior forward Keelan Martin. They brought the game to 31-29 Bulldogs. Two offensive rebounds on the same possession would run the game clock down and end in a dunk by senior forward Tyler Weidman for the Bulldogs, giving them a 36-31 advantage at the break on a possession that seemed like it was a minute and a half. Halfway through, if not two minutes, halfway through the second half in Detroit, Michigan, Butler had outscored Arkansas by a mere point, 17-16, bringing the score to 57-37 Butler with 10 minutes remaining in the game. So thank goodness for them, they had that five-point cushion at halftime because they were right neck and neck with Arkansas in the second half about halfway through. But the Bulldogs would get themselves back ahead by double digits and eventually end the game with 17 points of separation between themselves and the Razorbacks. 79-62. to Martin led all scorers on both teams combined with 27 points going 9 for 16 from the field. Baldwin followed with 24 points on 9 of 17 shooting. Each had 9 rebounds. Arkansas was led by senior guard Jalen Barford who had 15 points in the game. The victory provided the 10th seeded Bulldogs with a matchup in the round of 32 with the second seeded Purdue Boilermakers right here where the show is being broadcasted. Wake up call with Dan Tortora live in Detroit, Michigan for the first time ever. And with that being said, it's time to hear from those Butler Bulldogs. First and foremost, we'll go to my conversation following the victory the Butler had over Arkansas with Aaron Thompson about it just seeming to be the Butler way to be the lower seed and not really care. Here's what he had to say about that. We always feel like we, we can win every game as, as long as we're together. Um, we always say that uh, we, we, we don't need anything else that we have in the room, but we just need all of it. So I know if we come together and we, we play together, I feel like we can be any team in the country. What is it about Butler? I mean, from different coaching staffs to different players coming in, it started a while back and it just continues on. I mean, what can you pinpoint with that once it started? It's just found a way to continue. Um, well, since I've got here, it's just kind of like that, that uh, blue-collar mentality, you know, just, just working every day and keeping that humbleness to know that you, you got to get better every day. So it's just it's that combined with just it's knowing that you can play with anybody in the country. So it's, it's just a combination of a lot of things that, that go into the game and going to practice, the mindset that you're going to practice with every day. They'll make you a 7, they'll make you a 10, or a, or a 10 versus 7, 5 versus 12, or a 12 versus 5. It never seems to matter for you guys. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I feel like we play in one of the best leagues in the country, the Big East, so I feel like that prepares us for any any challenge that we have to go against um, in, in this tournament. So I feel like we'll be prepared to play against anyone. Bring me into the Big East with teams like, obviously, Providence and Villanova and so on and so forth. Just what you've taken away in Creighton. You know, a lot of these teams have made it into the tournament like yourself and, yeah. and just what you can say about the 
Big East competition? It's, it's as good as it gets, you know. Uh, we have we have about, what is it, six teams in, in the tournament maybe. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's as good as it gets. Uh, everybody, I have to pretty much think everybody in the Big East is winning right now um, in their, in their first, first round game. So, I feel like that that prepares you. You got good guards. You got guys like Jalen Brunson and Kyron Cartwright. Um, those guys prepare, prepare me and Kamara to go against guys like uh, Bearfield and uh, uh, Macon from uh, from Arkansas. So uh, I think it was a I think it was a good uh, preparation for us. When you look at the Big East, Butler made the move to go into the Big East with all the realignment and everything going on. You know, hindsight 2020. With you being a part of this team, how good of a decision was that for Butler University to make, knowing that level of talent you go up against? Um, it, it was a great decision because uh, uh, you know Butler has been on an upward swing uh, when they have Gordon and uh, Show, and uh, they've been going up ever since then. And I just think that uh, going into the Big East just just makes it even more of a preparation for us to get to the tournament and even give us a better chance to make it further and deep, deeper runs because we're more prepared when we get there. So I feel like that that was probably a great move, focusing on basketball. Like to get to get us prepared for the tournament. As you were growing up, did you watch Brad Stevens and, and the Gordon Hayward years at all? Did you pay attention to that? Um, not really. Actually, I was committed to Pittsburgh before I was committed to Butler, so I really didn't pay too much attention to it. Um, I was I was focused on Pittsburgh, and I didn't really know too much about it. So. Um, I mean, it's, it's good to know about it. Like, we learn about it every day. It's, it's everywhere in our locker room and, and Hingle Fieldhouse. So, I mean, <clears throat> I didn't really know too much about it. How does Coach keep that going when, you know, obviously Brad moves on to the Boston Celtics? Mm -hmm. Just what you can say about what this coaching staff has done, what your head coach has done to keep that mentality, the winning mentality going? Um, he just he just always uh, reminds us of the history of the, history of the program. Um, and we're doing it for the guys before us. They came before us. They worked hard to, to put the program in a position as it ended it that it is right now in the Big East, so that can prepare us for their games like this. So, I mean, he always tells us that we got to play with a bigger chip on our shoulder than anybody else that we play against. So, I think that's another way that he prepares us. When you look at kind of chip on the shoulder, Purdue lost their center. Just mm -hmm. what you could say, you know, coming off of that game for them, just knowing that going into it. Um, I mean, I don't think it changes our our mindset going into the game. We know we have to go in and play hard. Uh, they're a great team, even without even without them, still have another seven footer. So, and they would just bring him right in. So, I mean. I mean, our, our mindset won't our mindset won't change, so we just got to be focused and prepared to to come on with that game. From there, we will go to Aaron Thompson's teammate, who I had an opportunity to speak with in the locker room following Butler's win in the NCAA tournament round of 64 over Arkansas. Here's my conversation with Sean McDermott speaking on seeding and how it doesn't matter when it comes to Butler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we just approach it as this is a, a, a huge game. Um, you're in the NCAA tournament. You're blessed to even be in this position. So we don't look at the seed line. We just go out there and play Butler basketball and try and win the game. Bring me into Butler basketball. I mean, Brad Stevens did a lot to create what it was with Gordon Hayward and whatnot and continue that with this coaching staff and the players that have come before you and, you know, now where you guys are at. Just what you can say about the Butler way. Yeah, it's a it's a family mentality. Um, there, there's no selfish guys on this team. We're all for each other. We want to see each other do the best that, uh, that we could do. Um, it's hard work. It's gritty. Gritty, not pretty. Um, it's just it's just doing all the little things that matter um, in, in the basketball game. There's teams that they call Cinderellas, and then there's teams like Butler that they called you that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, in the history of college basketball, but then the consistency. Just to speak to that, the consistency of Butler basketball, and that you are a team that every single year, I'm sure people don't want to face come tournament time. Yeah, I, th I think back then those team those teams were extremely talented, um, and, and, and that's something we try to carry on is that those guys came before us and, and they lived out the Butler way, and we're trying to do the same. 
same now. Um, and yeah, I think those guys are what earned us the respect that we get now. Bring me into the Big East and just that level of competition and how that prepares you for this. Uh, this is just Big East is a, a physical conference where you're going to go to a battle every night. There's no no bad teams in the league. Um, you, you have to attack each game like like it, it's your last or you're going to get beat. Um, so I think it's it's a physical league with very talented players and, and every night matters. Bring me into some adversity moments that maybe you had when you look at the Villanovas, the Seton Halls, and you know the Providences of of the Big East. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you mentioned some of those games. Um, going to Villa in the Big East tournament, getting beat by Villanova, being down 19 nothing, um, losing to a great St. John's team at St. John's. Um, that's it's a, it's another tough environment. Um, the Providence game, we let it let it slip away. Um, but I think those games all, all really matter at this time of the year um, when you're when you're trying to get things done um, in March and into April. Um, those ga those games really help you. Arkansas made a push and got the lead. You guys took it right back and then didn't give it back to them in the second half, just what you could say about what they were doing in the first half, how you adjusted to it quickly, and then took care of business. Yeah, I think uh, we, we came out and started off great, and then we, we, we got a little slow, but um, we, knew, we knew that they had a run in them. They're a great team, great players, um, so, so we just had to weather the storm. Um, and I, I think we did a pretty good job of that in the second half, um, just weathering the storm, taking it one possession at a time and trying to win the game. That coming once again from Sean McDermott. And now on to the team's leading scorer in this game with 27 points, Keelan Martin, starting off our conversation with Arkansas, who tried to make that push in the first half that we had spoken about a little bit earlier here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, live on MixLR.com backslash DT. Make sure you become a member and know that the broadcasts are typically Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And when I say typical, that's our schedule throughout the year, barring things like this with the NCAA tournament, times of games, and whatnot. So, Keelan Martin on Arkansas, who tried to make a push in the first half. Yeah, uh, we we knew that was gonna make that was gonna make a run. Uh, I mean, we jumped out on twenty one two. We had a lot of energy, but um, I mean, they made that run, and then we, we made another run again. So we was up by five at halftime, and they gave us you know life and energy. And then we came out, and we just uh, we gathered ourselves. You know, we got a lot of stops defensively, just pushed in the transition, and got easy scores. When you look at that twenty one to two, like you said, you had a lot of energy coming out. What was happening there? You said you knew that they were gonna make a run, but yeah. just what you can say about defense. Uh, don't get too, you know, too satisfied of, of the lead because there's, there's a lot of basketball left, and we, you know, basketball's a game of runs, and, and teams make runs, and it's tournament time. So, I mean, you're not going unless you're an all-star team, you're not going to blow them out like that from the, from the lead. So, just, just stand, stand focused and locked in. You look at kind of the the Butler way that no matter where they seed you, whoever you're up against, yeah. nobody should want to play you in the tournament. Just what you can say about the history of, of like you said, Brad Stevens passing the torch down. Uh, always underdog, and uh, you know we Butler's going is beating teams. You know, lower seed, higher seed, it doesn't it really doesn't matter. We just do what we have to do, and just you know just stay together, and just you know we don't like our coach, like Coach Val said, we don't we don't need more than what's in this locker room now. So we we got all the pieces we need. Just go out there and apply them. You guys wear it on your chest, pretty not pretty. Just to go into that a little bit deeper. Uh, I mean, we, we don't want anything to be pretty, so we just we physical, physical, tough, diving on the floor, getting loose balls, you know, crashing rebounds and things like that. When you look at the Big East and what you've had to do to go through the Big East mm -hmm. and the teams that are there, the Seton Halls, the Villanovas, yeah. and so yeah. on and so forth, just what you take away from that level of competition? Uh, you know, we people they uh, see us as eighth uh, preseason Big East, and we we. 
you know, we, we are, they're always seeding us like that every year. But we just go out and prove what, what we can prove. I mean, we beat a good seed Hall team in the Big East tournament. We got our first Big East tournament win. And, uh, you know, those teams prepared us well. You know, we, we beat Villanova, BC and Hall, we beat Creighton, we beat all those, all those tournament teams, Providence, all that. And, you know, those, those guys prepared us well for, for what's coming up next. There's the Power Five, the ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12, the SEC, and, and the Pac-12. Just what you can say about when you hear Power Five, but then you see the Big East and how many teams you put in the tournament and obviously how effective the teams can be. Last year we put in seven teams. This year we put in six. So, I, I mean, I think it's the toughest conference out there. You know, because there's no there's no nights off. It's, it's it's a grind. You know, from the top of the league to the bottom of the league. Looking at just what you were able to do, you know, finding your comfort in there and leading the team in scoring. Just what you could say about what you saw from their defense and what you took away from it. Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just I just found open open spots and uh, open lanes, and I just you know found open teammates, and they they found me, knocked down an open shot, uh, just easy scores, not forcing anything, just trying to. You know, just moving out of the basketball, just doing different things like that. That coming once again from Keelan Martin from here in Detroit, Michigan, in my coverage of the 2018 NCAA Division One Men's Basketball Tournament. And finally with Butler, Kamar Baldwin, who was right behind Keelan Martin with 24 points in this game. Keelan had 27. And Kamar and I begin our conversation on the Butler way. How this team, this school, this men's basketball program has found a way to be consistently good from Brad Stevens to Chris Holtman recently and now to Lavelle Jordan. Lavelle Jordan, a student athlete, an assistant coach, an alum, all of Butler University and now their head coach. And just what Kamar can say about that consistency, that there's been different coaches, different people at the helm, yet when Butler got relevant – They've stayed relevant, and that's what he had to say about that. Uh, I would say it's consensus because, you know, uh, we have a culture at Butler, you know, uh, and we just play the right way. Um, you know, we going in, we had a next play mindset, so uh, when we jumped on early, uh, we knew they were going to come back. <clears throat> so we just knew we had to uh, stay on the gas and uh, just play defense. You're up 21-2, to two and they make that run to come back. Just bring me into what was going on there. Was there any complacency, kind of maybe playing a little bit slower? What happened? Uh, they just started making shots, you know, um, and uh, that's, that's a really good team like that. You know, they're going to make shots. But, uh, so, you know, that uh, kind of got them going, you know, and then a little turn, uh, a few turnovers here on our part um, also led to some easy baskets that on the back end. When it comes to playing Butler, it doesn't really matter where you guys are seated, just what you could say about that, whether it's 7-10, 10-7, wherever you're at. Not really, just, we're just playing ball. When you look at this team, just what you can say about gritty, not pretty, you wear it on your chest, just what that means this year. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to muck it up. Um, we're going to make you work, you know, uh, just make you take tough twos. Uh, it's not going to be free-flowing, and, uh, you know, there's going to play our style. Big East, Seton Hall, Providence, Villanova, so on and so forth. Just what you can say about how that prepares you for a tournament like this? Uh, you know, it prepares us very well. You know, Big East, you know, there are no off nights. So, uh, you know, you got to play. Like, you play St. John's, you play uh, up pace, and you turn around and play Providence. You know, it's more of a slow place running down the half court. Uh, it helps you a lot in the tournament. Um, you know, help us, you know, uh, night to night. Um, you know, the teams that we play in the Big East. There's a Power 5 group that doesn't include the Big East. Do you feel like that Power 5 should be extended out a little bit more, knowing the level of competition that you guys have? Uh, yes, sir, I would say so. And what is it about the Big East that, that has pushed you the most personally, just what you can say about how you've grown as a player through the Big East? Uh, you know, I've grown tremendously. You know, uh, Big East is not not a light league at all. You know, um, you've got great guards, uh, great big. So, you know, um, you got to bring your A game every night. So, it, uh, 
makes you better as a player. You know, uh, you know they always say you only get better if you play against people uh, better than you. So you know that's what the Big East brings. They want to say in the past Cinderella this, Cinderella that with Butler, like we were talking about before, level of consistency. Just what you could say about what it is about the history the Butler created and how that continues to go. In your opinion, how does this coaching staff keep it going? Uh, you know, um, like Coach Val told us uh, earlier in the year, there's a um, Butler is a family. Um, there are the players that did it before us, you know, and um, with us coming in, we're going to continue to do it the same way, you know, because it obviously worked. So um, we're just trying to uh, do the right formula that they did um, in the past. Define what that formula is, what it means to be a Bulldog, because like I said before, consistency is key in this NCAA tournament, and it's not that you guys make it every year, it's that you guys are a threat every single season. Uh, you know, just playing with uh, unity, uh, passion, uh, having accountability, you know, we just play together as a team and um, just have fun with one another. You know, no one on the team cares who scores. You know, we all have roles, and uh, we're going to do our roles to the best of our ability. So uh, that's what sort of the way is. And just to speak to the fans, I mean, they were very electric for you guys. Just what you could say about them being out here in Detroit. Uh, you know, our fans are great. Uh, we whether it's in Hinkle, whether we travel uh, anywhere. Uh, Butler fans are great. You know they travel well, and um, it's a great environment wherever we go. With that coming once again from Kamar Baldwin, I want to thank all the Butler Bulldogs who gave me some time inside of the NCAA tournament right here as Wake Up Call broadcast to you live from Detroit, Michigan. We will take a step aside for a fast break, and we'll come back with the Michigan State Spartans in just a moment. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalwear, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing their 
wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here in this very special broadcast live from Detroit, Michigan, live on location here with you inside of the NCAA tournament. And you have heard from the Purdue Boilermakers and my one-on-one conversations with those gentlemen as well as the Butler Bulldogs. Coming up next here are the Michigan State Spartans and the Syracuse Orange in this morning menu inside of this special March 18th broadcast on Sunday fun day from Detroit, Michigan. So with that being said, let's get into what happened in that game for the Michigan State Spartans, and then we'll get into my conversations that you'll be hearing from today. You'll hear from the likes of Lou Rawls, Tum Tum, Naren Jr. You'll also hear from Kenny Goins, Nick Ward, and Jaron Jackson Jr. as well. In their home state, the Michigan State Spartans, a three seed, got into the trenches with a 14 seed Buck Nell Bison in the round of 64 here in Detroit, Michigan. Michigan State never trailed Buck Nell for the first four 14 minutes and change until Bucknell took the lead off of a three-pointer by senior forward Zach Thomas with 524 remaining before halftime that made it 28-27. Forward Zach Thomas, huge in this game for Bucknell, and a huge thing happened later on in the game, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Exactly 30 seconds after the game was 28-27, to The Spartans responded with a jumper from sophomore guard Joshua Langford that brought them back the lead 29-27. So Michigan State, once again, they start off the first 14 minutes and change of the first half, never trailing Bucknell. Bucknell gets the lead 28-27, and 30 seconds, exactly 30 seconds later, the Spartans respond with a jumper from Joshua Langford, who his teammate, you know, teammates that that I just spoke with here in Detroit, Michigan, you'll hear from them and hear what they have to say. His teammates had some praise for the work that he did. Sophomore guard Cassius Winston with a tough take to the rim, got Michigan State out to a three-point lead, 31-28 to after Langford got the lead back for the team. And then he would extend the Spartans, speaking of Winston, out even farther when he cashed in from downtown on the very next possession, making it 34-28 Spartans. The Bison, the bison would cha- charge forward on a 7-0 run to get them within one, 41-40 with 50.5 seconds before the break. Sophomore guard slash forward Miles Bridges would head to the rack for the layup and make the subsequent free throw to extend the Spartans out to a 44-40 advantage. So you see this, 14-plus minutes without trailing. Then the lead goes to Bucknell. Then Michigan State gets it right back. They make multiple shots. And then here are the Bison again. They're down by one with 50 seconds before halftime. And Miles Bridges comes up with a big old-fashioned three-point play to extend the team out to four, speaking of Michigan State. Michigan State would keep that four-point lead after a shot clock violation waved off a fadeaway three, leaving Bucknell two possessions behind the three-seed of the Midwest region at the half. The Bison brought their deficit to two possessions once again, this time with 15-29 remaining in the second half, with Thomas's three made free throws following a deep try that made it 52-46. to So heads the line, and Zach Thomas makes three clutch free throws. But once again, 
Something happens with Zach Thomas that we're going to talk about in just a second here. Bucknell's offense was, was quiet in the second half, failing to attain a field goal between the 1949 mark and 818 remaining in the second half, a span of 11 minutes and 31 seconds. So those three free throws from Zach Thomas were massive with a team that did not have a field goal in 11 and a half minutes in the second half. A technical foul on Thomas with 606 added insult to injury when he leaves the game fouling out with 6.06 left in the game. Top scorer on the bench for the rest of the contest. At the time, he had more than half of Bucknell's points when he fouled out, 27 of their 52. Langford made both free throws. It came as a result of that technical, giving the Spartans a 62-58 lead. An 8-0 run by the Bison, though, would bring them within, within eight of the Spartans down the stretch without their leading scorer, Zach Thomas, the score would be 75-67 to 67 with 36 seconds to play. Bucknell would make three shots from beyond the arc in the final 12 seconds of the game. The last one to beat the final buzzer, but it would not be enough thanks to Michigan State going 4-for-4 four 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 from the free throw line to end the game. If the Spartans had miss, missed those four free throws at the end of the game, the last second three from the Bison would have caused overtime in this matchup. So just think about that. Michigan State, back and forth with Bucknell. Bucknell goes on a huge drought. They lose their top scorer in the game, who accounted for more than half of their points. And then somehow, someway, they hit three big-time three-pointers in the final 12 seconds. And in the middle of all of that, there's four free throws for Michigan State. Michigan State doesn't hit those four free throws. We talk about hashtag free throws matter. I put it out there all the time. If they don't hit those free throws, literally in this game, if they don't hit just those four at the end of the game, if they don't go four for four at the end of the game, they miss all those free throws. It's a tie game, and we go to overtime. Instead, Michigan State would close out the contest with an 82-78 to win, giving the Spartans another day in this tournament, advancing to the round of 32 here in Detroit, Michigan. Bridges would lead Michigan State with 29 points on 12 for 22 shooting, and the aforementioned 27 from Thomas would lead the Bison despite him not being in the game for the final 6-0-6. And going into the locker room after the game, start my conversations off here with Lou Rawls, Tum Tum Naren Jr. on what he had to say about being 87 miles away from Michigan State University. Not that far away from campus, less than 100 miles, and the feeling of it being like a home game with the way the fans treated them in Detroit. Here's what he had to say about that. It's an unbelievable feeling, man, when you know you got your fans here supporting you. I'm like, uh, we so blessed to be to be able to be in that position. So we're happy that they came out. People were wondering if I'm sorry, be, sorry. I'm trying to be <laughs> People were wondering if it was going to be Michigan that got this spot or you. Just what you could say about getting this opportunity. Like I said, it's a blessing to be able to play so close to home, and our, and our fans are unbelievable for that. When you look at the Big Ten, just what you took away from the competition this year and just how it helps you guys to get to where you are today. I think the Big Ten is the best league in the country, man. You know, we play tough tough games every single night. Everybody knows this stuff, so you, it really helps you to focus on your execution. And I think I know, uh, around this time of the year, you got to be able to execute. You play your first game here on March 16th yeah. after having about a couple weeks to yeah. prepare for it. Just what you could say about this year having the Big Ten tournament a week early and if you felt like that was a positive or a negative or a little bit of both. Yeah, I, think, I thought it was a positive, especially for us, you know, having that week off to, to practice and work on our offense, work on our execution, and I, think, and I think that helped us out a lot. 
This team has a lot of weapons, just what you can say about having multiple layers, and if one guy's off one night or something's not going your way, that you have plenty of other people go to. Yeah, our depth, no, you're good. Our depth is uh, unbelievable, and I think you know that's going to continue to help us to get as far as we want to get in this tournament. What can you say about a guy like Miles Bridges and just what he does to open up the game for you guys? He had a put-back dunk, uh, yeah. put you back up by double digits in the second half. Oh, uh, you know, best player in the country in my eyes. Uh, he's been doing it all year long for us, and I think he's going to continue to do it for us. You guys have had to deal with off-the-court stuff, on-the-court stuff, just how you've handled that and how it's you know made you better men, better people, and better players. Man, um, all I can say is, man, you know, we got a, we got a team full of believers, man. You know, a lot of guys that believe in God, and you know, sometimes in life you can't you can't control what other people say about you, what other people do. You just got to continue to stay together as a unit. And I think we've been doing a, a unbelievable job of that all year long, man. And you know, um, that's what we've been doing. That's what Spartan Family do. What can you say about Tom Izzo as a leader and just what he's done to help you guys shut out the noise and focus? Uh, just an unbelievable coach. I always tell us, you know, to, to shut the noise out. Um, just continue to work and continue to be the best we can. And just an unbelievable human being, really. You guys were in a good position, double digits, and then, you know, toward the end of the game, they were hitting a bunch of threes. <laughs> just what you could say about how that closed out. Man, surviving events. <laughs> they made a lot of shots, but we, we, we get to play another game, and that's all that matters. You guys won by four, <laughs> and you hit your last four free throws as a team. So without those free throws, we're mm. potentially looking at overtime. Just what you could say about how the game didn't look close, did it ever feel close, and, and when it got to that closing stretch, just taking care of business at the line. Oh, well, you know, in this tournament, no game is over until that buzzer goes. So we just wanted to, you know, hang in there. Uh, and Josh did an excellent job of going up and knocking on the free throws. Coming from Tum Tum and going into Kenny Goins on a game that got close down the stretch. And I spoke with him about the fact that the game didn't feel close down the stretch. And then all of a sudden, it was a very close game with those three threes by Bucknell in the final 12 seconds. Here's what he had to say about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, these tournament games kind of have a way of doing that, especially when you got a home crowd like this. Uh, but nine points in like 30 seconds also has a way of just kind of changing the tides like that. Um, you know, we just got to we gotta really lock in at the end of games. And um, we missed a couple free throws. Seemed like we were just kind of mentally starting to fade a little bit. And you can't have that later in the stretch. So um, definitely something to just keep our mind on. Closing the game out, though, you guys went four for four from the charity stripe. Don't have those four points. We have overtime. Right. So just what you could say about, I know you said that some of them didn't go your way at the charity stripe, but you were able to take care of the last few. Uh, yeah, you know, guys stepped up. I think it was Josh and Miles maybe or something like that, but um, just big time and just kind of settling themselves down and um, just coming up big for us. Like you said, if we don't get that, we're going to the OT and the way that we're shooting, you never know where that goes. So um, just pops those guys. What can you say about Josh Langford and what he did to open this game up and what he's done for the team this season? Um, you know, everyone's talking about his offensive start, but um, the thing he really did well was defend and um, his assignment was number two. I don't even know his last name, but uh, um, in, on film, number two was just he was kind of like the, the oil to the machine yeah. and where he distributed but also scored and pushed the pace, all that stuff. And uh, Josh just did a great job in kind of keeping him in check, but also on the offensive end, this is what he's been doing all year is getting to his mid-range and making teams pay. And you guys saw it on full display to get right here. And it's kind of Kobe-esque, but he's, he's got that in his game. When you look at the multiple layers that this team has, so many different weapons, just to speak to that, how 
any given night, any one of you guys can step up and do what you need to do. Right, and it's not even just any any given night, it's any given half. Like Josh in the first half, Miles picks up in the second half, uh, Nick one time, uh, Jaren another time, it doesn't matter. Um, that's that's the best part about this team is guys are going to, the other teams are going to have to worry about five guys and who can be the leading scorer, but you never know who it's going to be. We were all said that Miles Bridges is the best player in the country. What would you say? Uh, I would have to agree with that. Um, I know a lot of people that can do it and all, all, all level scoring, rebounding. Uh, he passes well, um, defends with the best of them. There's not many people out there like that. A lot of great scorers out there, a lot of great passes out there, but not a lot of people that can just do everything. You guys have had to go through on the court and off the court stuff this season. Just what you could say about how Tom Izzo's been a leader to you and how this team has come together and been able to focus and win games despite everything else that's going on. Uh, you know, you try not to let the outside noise in, but sometimes it's hard when it's as loud as it was this year. And, uh, just the way Izzo was, um, you know, coach just kind of kept his, his cool with us, um, never really showed us that he was shaken up by it or anything, and that really helped all of us kind of rally behind him. And as a team, we all came together and just kind of pushed through the muck. Do you feel like you're through it now? Does that feel like it's past you at this point? Oh, uh, yeah, we're just worried about basketball at this point, just worried about making a long run, eh? That coming once again from Kenny Goins. And up next in the conversation with the Michigan State Spartans is Nick Ward on what he had to say to me about having multiple layers to this team on any given night. Somebody can step up. And the fact that his teammates said not any given night, not even just that, but any given half. Somebody could step up in the first half and then somebody different in the second half. Here's what Nick had to say in response to that and if he agreed with that. You know, that's true. You know, um, you know, Miles and Josh stepped up big today. You know, um, they they had big buckets today. You know, this is a big game for them. Looking at this game, it didn't feel that close. And then all of a sudden, it was that close in the last 30 seconds. Just bring me into you know, obviously they nailed some threes, and you guys had to finish at the free throw line. Well, you know, they started hitting some big threes at the end of the game. You know, which. Um, I would say it hurt us, you know, hurt the percentage, but you know, uh, I feel like I feel like for most of the game we defended pretty pretty well. And just what you could say about Miles and, and what he's been to this team. Some of your teammates are calling him the best in the country. Just what you've seen from him this season, and as you move forward, it's huge. You know, um, he played ahead of the game today, and he went as hard as he can. We needed that energy. You guys have gone through stuff on and off the court. Just what you can say about locking in, staying focused, and how this team's come together. You know, when we stay focused, there's not a lot of teams that can stop us. And we just got to realize that and just keep up. Lastly, for me, Coach Ezo, just what you could say about his leadership, not only with this team, but with everything that's happened this season, how he's kept you guys focused. You know, it's big because, you know, Coach, um, Coach went, a lot, went through a lot of scrutiny. But, um, you know, he, he helped us keep focused, and, you know, we just went, um, we just did his job. And my final conversation with the Michigan State Spartans coming off their victory in the round of 64 here in Detroit, Michigan, inside of the NCAA tournament, their win over Bucknell. Here is Jaron Jackson Jr. on what he had to say about Tom Izzo, their head coach, on his leadership and keeping them focused with everything that was going on on the court as well as off the court this season as well as some jokes from Jaron Jackson Jr. If you don't know him, you kind of get to know that this man is somebody that likes to have some fun and likes to kind of mix things up a little bit. 
we're a strong team, and that goes right down the line from our coaching staff to the players, and that's how we like to go out there and play. We play free, and it goes right back to our coach. When you look at preparing for a game, obviously you got to know your plays, you got to know what they do well, watch the tape, get in the weight room, this, that, and the other. But strong-mindedness, arguably the most important thing, just what you can say about having a strong mind as a team and being mature as a team. Uh, shoot, you just have to have it at this level. This is why we came here, and we everybody on this team has it. That's why we were recruited here. Don't step on there. Oh, <laughs> And obviously the family aspect of it, you know, kind of joking around and just what you could say about the family of this team. It's crazy, you know, we're all just one big happy family right down to the vets, to the coaches, to the youth, everybody. And so look at a matchup like this, it didn't seem like it was that close and then all of a sudden it was that close when they had hit a bunch of threes. It's just what you can say about, you know, how close that game was down the stretch. It was just, you know, they hit a lot of shots late. I think we were a little too complacent. We needed to be more aggressive on defense and make sure we, you know, stop that lead, stop, or stop the deficit. We all know the free throws matter. You guys hit your last four, one by four. Just what you could say about your teammates taking care of business at the line. Uh, I didn't hit all mine, so I need to do a better job of that. But I'm glad I hit the next two, and I'm glad my teammates were able to hit them, especially Josh down the stretch. How much does Josh have? 19. 19. Okay, that's cool. 20? 20 maybe? Wait, wait, wait. Does he have his digit? He is 19? Yeah, he did 19 20. I'm clowning him if he is 19, because that means he missed a free throw. Hey, does anybody have a stat sheet? Please, let me get that. Let me see Josh's. Let me see that. <laughs> Proof is in the. Where are we at? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, he's 22. Oh, okay. See, look, because he missed a free throw. If he had 19, then he would have been sick. <laughs> but, so just just to speak to that, just what Josh has done offensively, what he did in this game as well, going off of you checking out the statue. He's just. He's a great player. That's what he does, you know. I'm just, I'm really proud of him because he's been working hard all week in practice, and it really came through for him. And Miles, but Miles, that's what he should do. With that coming from the Michigan State Spartans, who will face the Syracuse Orange inside of the round of 32, we'll take a fast break and come back with every single one of the seven players that were on the floor for the Syracuse Orange here in Detroit, Michigan, in the round of 64 matchup that they had with TCU. Jim Beheim against Jamie Dixon, who he used to go up against all the time every season when Jamie was with the Pittsburgh Panthers. And so we'll get into my conversations with Syracuse's Barama Sidibe, Matthew Moyer, Pascal Chuku, Marek Dolajai, O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle, and Frank Howard, all coming up after this fast break. With Wake Up Call live on location here in Detroit, Michigan. This is a Wake Up Call fast break. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreising Apparel. 
creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and directly on the live stream, MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Make sure that you pick up your opportunity to connect with the show at all times by becoming a member for free. Just go to MixLR, that's Mix, L as in Larry, R as in Roger, dot com backslash WakeUpCallDT. DT And all you have to do is go there, click on becoming a member, click follow right under my picture, and that'll prompt you to create an account that just takes a second. It's very free and easy to do. And, you know, it's not one of those things that they say it's free and it's not. (laughs) This is actually free. So this is the beauty of it. It takes a couple seconds. It links to your email, whichever email you choose. And when the show goes live, you get an email sent to your device, whatever device you're using, desktop, laptop, iPad, iPod, any type of tablet, any type of smartphone, iPhone, whatever it may be, anything with the Internet. You get, a, you get sent an email straight to you, and all you have to do is open up the email and click to listen. It's as simple as that for members. And members can chat with me in the live chat room during every live broadcast, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and during all of our special engagement broadcasts, like today, here on a Sunday on March 18th, inside of the NCAA tournament, after the round of 64, sandwiched between the round of 64 and the round of 32, with my one-on-one conversations with the Purdue Boilermakers, the Butler Bulldogs, the Michigan State Spartans, and the Syracuse Orange, who you'll hear from in just a moment. So make sure you become a member so you can chat with me in the live chat room. Never miss a live broadcast again. And even though it's easy to listen to the live show, this will make it even easier than easy to listen to the show. Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time and during special engagement shows on MixLR.com backslash DT, where you're going to become a member right now. Coming up here in the show, continuing on in the morning menu, the Syracuse Orange faced off against TCU. We're not used to seeing Syracuse at TCU if you watch Syracuse for a while, but you are used to seeing Syracuse and Pittsburgh, the Jamie Dixon, Jim Beheim. So we're used to that. So we're used to Jamie Dixon and Jim Beheim, correct? And Jamie Dixon, a couple seasons ago, left Pittsburgh to go back to his alma mater where he played and went to coach student-athletes when he used to be one of the student-athletes at TCU. He became their head coach a couple seasons ago and has brought them to their first NCAA tournament appearance since 1998. Huge game for TCU, huge opportunity for Jamie Dixon to help to 
turn this program around as he worked to do great things with Pittsburgh beforehand. And for Syracuse fans, they're not big fans of Jamie Dixon, knowing the fact that on the court, Jamie can typically figure out the 2-3 zone. And from what I was seeing from practice and what they were doing and and the things that they were focusing and zeroing in on, I saw a lot of three-point shooters, at least five of them on the TCU team. And seeing all those three-point shooters and how quickly they were shooting and how many of them, them they were shooting, I likened it to a beehive and just said to myself, you know, they're going to pass the ball around here and get around the arc inside, outside, you know, pass it in, pass it out, high post, whatever it may be. And they're going to try and break down the Syracuse 2-3 zone, which you can do that when you attack the high post. And you can do that when you pass the ball quickly and you have good three-point shooters. Well, Syracuse dictated the pace. This was their game. They played their game. And maybe it was helped a little bit, too, in the arena that every time there was a break in the action, when commercials seemed like they were seven minutes long, they were showing the UMBC game on the Jumbotron up against Virginia as UMBC became the first 16 seed to ever take down a one seed. So there was that, you know, whole kind of like take it away from the game, take the focus away from the game. So, you know, I don't know, maybe... Maybe that helped out in some way, shape, or form, or made things a little bit lighter, or made the guys relax a little bit more. But ultimately, where we are and what's been going on with the Syracuse team, you know, it's just, what are they going to do? And are they going to show up and play their best game? They had said to me, you know, O'Shea Brissett and I had an extensive conversation, and you can pick that up by going to the archives, and you could find the archives by going to wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the RSS feed, the iTunes store, as well as the downloadable app powered by Podbean. You can go directly to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. Go back to those interviews there's over 900 audio files that are that's right there on any one of those sites that you can get all of them by going to wakeupcalldt.com with the quick links at the top of the homepage. And once you click on that, over 900 different audio files and so much for you to listen to. And there's those game, all of those interviews that I had with the Syracuse team individually when they went up against Arizona State. And O'Shea Brissett had a conversation with me about, you know, his expectations and what he was hoping for out of his team and out of himself and just stating stating the fact that he wanted to see more for himself. He wanted to do more. And he said, listen, we stood around in the first half and we just kind of watched shooters. You know, we just watched everybody just do things, but we didn't move. And he said, you know, Marek and I need to do a better job of moving around. And he's like, I put it 100% on me. I have to do more of this. It's on me to do more. And so I know what I need to do. And then he went forward in this game and he did it. He moved around. The team moved around. This was not a stagnant offense. It might've been the best game that they played all season as far as dictating the pace. And I think it's hilarious that some talking heads out there are like, well, Syracuse only won by scoring 57 points. I'm sorry. What does it matter what they score? I've seen national championships against UCLA and Florida where the where the teams combine to score under 100 points, where it's 50-something, 40-something. Yeah, it's a boring game because people like to see scoring. And when it's 47 to 56, that's not exciting for people. People want to see 80s. They want to see 70s, something like that. I mean, people would love to see 86-81 in the national championship game. But to to criticize Syracuse saying, well, they won their first game and they only scored 60. They won their second game they scored 57. I'm sorry, did they win or did they lose? Because the teams that played against them, they didn't score as many as they did. So as long as you score more, more points than your opponent, who the heck cares? 
And anybody that's intelligent, you know, anybody that would take five minutes to check into this Syracuse team and see that this team plays better defense, probably double the amount of defense that last year's team played, and the efficiency of it, that, you know, you would see that Syracuse is one of those teams that is more defensively sound than they were last year and in previous years, in previous times. So there's a lot of good for that because if you can defensively condense somebody, then you can score 57 points and win a game, and you can score 60 points and win a game. That's called common sense. That's called do your research. That's called understand before you open your mouth. Syracuse wins the game. Who cares how they did it? They didn't kill anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. They didn't do anything dirty. They played basketball. Butler has made their hay in history of being an aggravating team that keeps you low. Virginia has made their history in being aggravating an aggravating team that keeps you low. The problem with Virginia is they couldn't keep UMBC low, but they were low. In Syracuse's case, they're low and so is their opponent, but their opponent's a little bit lower than them. And as long as you keep at least one point of separation between you and your opponent to your advantage, I don't care if you win 41-40. to 40. It's funny because I was talking to somebody about it after the game, and they were like, on St. Patrick's Day, I was talking to somebody, and they were like, oh, they're like, that game was brutal to watch. You know, it was like annoying. It was like an annoyance of a game, so to speak. You know, just just talking with people that were, you know, and, and this, this gentleman, and he wasn't being rude, but he was just saying, he was like, you know, that game was painful to watch. And I responded, I said, yeah. But Syracuse got the victory, and they don't really care how they did it. They just did it, and you know, and that's the thing is like you look at you look at teams that try to outscore you. How about Arizona? Arizona, I told you going into that game, Arizona likes to run the scoreboard up. Buffalo can run the scoreboard up. If it's two teams trying to run the scoreboard up, I was going to lean on Buffalo because Buffalo's had a hell of a season. They're going to be underestimated, and the Pac-12 has not been that strong according to you know how many teams got into the tournament and how they got in and this that and the other and that Arizona was the only lock so the writing's on the wall that there are teams out there that quote-unquote aren't supposed to win like Syracuse wasn't supposed to win and Bonnie's wasn't supposed to win and Buffalo wasn't supposed to win they're all upstate New York teams going up against the Pac-12 and they all beat the Pac-12 Syracuse ousted Arizona State, Buffalo ousted Arizona, St. Bonaventure ousted UCLA. Who would have thunk that any of those things were going to happen? Well, I had Bonnie's winning that game. I had Buffalo winning that game. I had Syracuse winning that game. And I had Syracuse winning this game against TCU. Because it's a little bit of a different feel. Even though Jamie Dixon gets people nervous because of everything he did with Pittsburgh, I thought that the level of concern shouldn't have been as high as when he was at Pittsburgh and playing in the peat and just like brutally going, <laughs> just, just being a, you know, a pain in the butt to any team that he went up against, you know, Pittsburgh being nine and nine, that was like the team that they were in the ACC. It's like nine and nine. And if there was one spot left, they wanted to take that spot over Syracuse. It was always personal. It was always us or them, us or them. That's how it always has been with Pittsburgh. And with Jamie Dixon, he's done a hell of a job with TCU. Syracuse this time around got the victory. And I think it's hilarious that people are complaining about how Syracuse won the game. That's like when Scott Schaefer started the season off 4-1 and and somebody said he wasn't, 
he was winning, but he wasn't winning by enough points. So they, they needed to be critical of him. And I was like, at the end of the day, he's winning. So if I won four out of five games by a point, guess what? On paper, those are four W's. It's not like there's a W and a W squared if I won by more and a W cubed if I blew somebody out. You either win or you lose. So I think it's hilarious to say Syracuse is moving on. Let's talk about how I don't like the way they won the game. They didn't break the rules, did they? They just played basketball to their advantage, to their strengths, to their advantages. They got five and a half to six guys. In this game, they had to play seven because Marek Dolajai fouled out and they put Matthew Moyer back in the game. There was nobody else after that. Braden Bayer was a walk-on that was given a scholarship. Howard Washington Jr. wasn't playing when he was healthy and he's not playing now and he's going through his rehab right now for his leg. There's nobody else there. Geno Thorpe left the team. So, to criticize a team that has five and a half to six guys that's leaned on three guys to play 40 minutes, one of them being a sophomore in Tyus Battle, one of them being a junior in Frank Howard who was never asked to be an offensive player in the first two years combined, and he has done better than the first two years combined times 20, arguably. And then you look at O'Shea Brissett, who's a true freshman. What more can you ask of this team? But keep disrespecting them. Because Syracuse seems to play really well when people count them out. They seem to play really well when people disrespect them. And it's fun to be the redheaded stepchild. Take it from somebody who knows. So, with that being said, let's get into this matchup with Syracuse, and then let's get into these conversations with the Syracuse Orange that I had the blessing of having after their victory over TCU. The Orange keep rolling onto the round of 32. Stop me if you've heard this before. Jim Beheim will be opposite Jamie Dixon on the sidelines of a head-to-head matchup. Now wipe the tears away of missing the old Big East. I'll give you a minute. Go get a tissue. And wipe the tears away from what the Pittsburgh Panthers versus Syracuse rivalry used to feel like when Dixon was at the helm of Pittsburgh. We're in the NCAA tournament now, and it is Bayheim versus Dixon, but it's the TCU Horned Frogs against the Syracuse Orange this time around. After a hiatus of two regular seasons without coaching against one another, Bayheim and Dixon were ready to lead the respective squads in this one, a game that saw five lead changes in the first eight minutes and change. A jumper in the lane by true freshman center, Barama Sidibe gave the lead back to the Orange at the 12.03 mark of the first half, 12-11. True freshman forward Marek Dolajai released a shot in the lane that dropped into the nylon and followed, with a, and followed with a quick release from beyond the arc that beat the shot clock. Fellow true freshman O'Shea Brissett made a move and had a relatively wide open lane, but he missed. Fear not, as Dolajai cleaned up at the rim, giving him 13 points with approximately four minutes before halftime. Already at double figures. Before making that shot from beyond the arc, Dolajai had made three threes, or had, pardon me, had made one three in 34 games. So you look at the string of shots by Dolajai. He releases a shot in the lane. He hits that three to beat the shot clock, which was an off-balance shot where he kicked his leg out and just threw it up, looked like he had to force it, and it went in the basket. And then he cleaned up at the rim for O'Shea Brissett's miss. All of that is amazing. All of that is making fans kind of do that, that Scooby-Doo, that then <laughs> But to notice, not only all of that that was going on and the offensive presence that Marek Dolajai had in this game and the fact that he's capable of doing this on the biggest stage, 
But put into that on top of that to the nth degree, he had only made one three-pointer in 34 games this season. He doesn't attempt a lot. He made one three-pointer in 34 games this year before he made that three to beat the shot clock in the first half of the team's 35th game of the season. The Orange would miss an alley-oop opportunity, and the Horned Frogs would attain theirs at the other end, bringing the Horned Frogs within one of the Orange 27-26 shortly after. That play at the rim was completed by TCU senior guard Kenrich Williams, who had an encore play with one second left on the game clock, also at the rim, that looked very similar, that gave TCU the lead at the half 28-27. So he gets that alley-oop after Syracuse misses their opportunity, and then goes right back to the rim with two quick buckets, high percentage, right at the basket, to give his team a 28-27 lead, but not necessarily the momentum. Before the Horn Frogs gained the lead with one second remaining in the first half, the Orange had held the advantage for 12 minutes and two seconds from the 12.03 mark to the moment Williams laid it up with one second left before the break. So Syracuse had a lead for over 12 minutes, and it went away in the final second of the first half. In the second half, TCU was the first to score, courtesy of senior forward Vladimir Brodzianski's Layup 51 seconds into the game. Brissett would respond immediately with a baseline jumper, but Brodzianski would reply to that with another layup, getting the Horn Frogs ahead by three, 32 to 29. Dolajai would finish an alley try by junior guard Frank Howard, who sent him the ball in transition that he slammed home and would seemingly be looking to send his own alley try to the rim that ended up going in shortly after, bringing Syracuse within one, 36-34. He was on the baseline. He's going out of bounds. He's got a defender on him, and he threw the ball up in the air. It looked like he was trying to alley the ball to Pascal Chuku. It ends up dropping straight down into the hoop to put Syracuse within one possession at 36-34. Sophomore shooting guard Tyus Battle will connect from long range to give the lead to the Orange for the first time in the second half, 37-36. This three already outscored his total in the first half, where Tyus Battle only had two points in the opening half. Williams would continue to capitalize around the rim, dunking the ball to tie the game at 36 all at the 14-16 mark of the second half. A free throw by junior forward J.D. Miller would bring the lead back to the Horned Frogs at 37-36 shortly after. Sidibe, who had gotten the lead back for Syracuse approximately eight minutes into the first half, did it again with 11-18 to go in the game when he fought to keep possession for Syracuse, fighting for the ball under the basket that looked like it could go either way, and it was going to Syracuse, then it was going to TCU, then he grabbed it and elevated for two right under the rim to make it 38-37 orange. So it's funny how around the 12-minute mark, he got the lead for Syracuse, and in the second half, at the 11-18 mark, close to that 12-minute mark, he got the lead back for the Orange then as well. TCU would come within one of Syracuse five times in the final six minutes and 46 seconds of the game. Let me say that again. TC, This is where defense comes in. TCU would get within one of Syracuse five times in the final six minutes. Within one point of Syracuse, five times in the final six minutes and 46 seconds of the game. Junior center Pascal Chuku, standing at 7-2, would knock down two free throws to give the Orange a 50-47 lead, and when the Horned Frogs came within one, battle would elevate in the lane for a difficult one-handed make to get out to three points of separation at 52-49. A leaner in the lane followed by junior point guard Frank Howard, bringing the Orange out to a five-point lead, 54-49, with just over a minute to play. 
redshirt freshman forward. Matthew Moyer came up big in the final 30 seconds of the game, attaining possession by the TCU basket and going one for two at the charity stripe to extend the Orange out to a 55-50 lead, similar to Barama Sidibe, but with more, even more physical, you know, physicality of the game going on. You know, Barama fought for that opportunity to get possession for Syracuse and go back up at the 11-18 mark and then with 30 seconds left in the game under the TCU basket not under the Syracuse basket like Brahma was under the TCU basket they all they had to do was pick it up and put it in Matthew Moyer fought for that as well so we see Brahma and Matthew both coming off the bench both coming up with huge possessions for the Orange and getting points off of them the freshmen and you know when we look at this uh I want to go back here. Redshirt freshman Matthew Moyer came up big in the final 30 seconds, getting that possession by the TCU basket and got the team out to a 55-50 lead, hitting the first of his two free throws at the charity stripe. Then Chuku did what any big man does not do and continued to make free throws, going two for two to end the game as Syracuse moves on to face Michigan State in the round of 32 following a 57-52 victory. The freshman led all scores for the Orange with Dolajai getting to 17, three shy of his single-game career high of 20, which he had versus Wake Forest just a few games ago in the first round of the 2018 ACC tournament, which helped Syracuse to get their first ACC tournament victory in their history. And Brissett finished with 13. Williams and Brodzianski led the way for the Horn Frogs with 14 and 13, respectively. Syracuse is now 22 and 13 on the season and lives to fight another day. And continuing that fight and continuing to fight for opportunities despite not having his body be 100%, Barama Sidibe has come up huge having to deal with everything he's had to deal with with his body. He has made plays, played out of his mind, and we talk about adrenaline being a factor and just kicking in. The way he played against Pittsburgh at the Pete, if he didn't play that way, they don't win that game this season, and that would be their worst loss of the season since Pitt did not beat anybody in the ACC and went 0-19, 0-18 in the regular season, and then lost their first game in the ACC tournament and were the lowest seed at 15 of 15. So Barama came up huge in that game, has made other plays this season, and had two big makes that gave Syracuse the lead, one in the first half and the other in the second half that I had just mentioned a little while ago. So we're going to start there with Barama and just what he can say about those two big-time plays. He didn't have to score a ton of points. He scored his points at the right time. Uh, every time I play, I go after the ball. I don't. I really don't mind who's defending me or who's in front of me. I always go after the ball. So. When you look at those plays, though, not only were you going after the ball, but the ball went in the basket and they gave the lead back to the Orange. Just what you can say about helping to shift the momentum back to your team. That's that was great. I know for me, like I don't get ball a lot of time, but I know if I get those chances every time, I'm gonna make it because I've been used to score like that since I was in in high school. So. Every time I get those chances, I'm gonna score. So, what was it about this TCU team? Because it looked like you guys got to dictate the pace the majority of the game. It looked like you got to play your game. Did you feel that way? Yeah, like we trying to slow the game down because, like, if we like if we slow down, our guys not gonna get that tired, and then we can stay with them in the game. So, and they they have a good team, so they just wasn't making a shot, and we play good defense. So, Marek Dolajai, 17 points in this game, made a three pointer to beat the shot clock on one of the plays, had a bunch. 
bunch of runners in the lane. Just what you can say about how well he played. He, he did it great. They, they forgot about him every time. So he's the one of the wide open guy every time. So you got to take advantage on it. If you're wide open, just take advantage on it. There's not a deep bench on this team, but there's you and Matt Moyer. Matt Moyer in the last 30 seconds got a big time possession and was able to make a free throw. Just what you could say about what you guys did. We did it great. Me and him, we just always waiting for opportunity. You know, like we know we're not in the good shape right now. We're waiting for opportunity because everybody want to play. So if we get a chance to play, we're going to show our best. That coming from Barama Sidibe, once again, the true freshman center of the Orange, and going to his fellow benchmate that came off the bench and made a couple big-time plays down the stretch with grabbing possession under the TCU basket and then getting at least one of his free throws to drop to extend Syracuse out a little bit more. That is Matthew Moyer, and we're going to start with that. Last 30 seconds under the basket, rips the ball away from TCU. Bring us into the play, Matthew. Um, you know, just go out there, and uh, I, I just knew I had to had to try to make an impact. Um, you know, especially with Moret coming out, Moret was doing a really good job down the stretch. Uh, so I know I had to c come in there and try to do something and affect the game. And you know, I saw the ball pop loose, and you know. I saw the TCU guy staring at it for a little bit, and that split second, you know, I had I had to go get it, two hands. And then is, after that, you had uh, the opportunity at the charity stripe, and you were able to hit one of those free throws. Even though you didn't hit them both, you extended out the lead a little bit more and secured it for the team. Just what you can say about those last 30 seconds to get that point and to get that, you know, get that opportunity to get possession. It may not show up on the stat sheet as anything huge, but in this game, for anybody watching, those were two big moments. Oh. Um, you know, what I did was I just blanked out. You know, that's what I did. You know, I, obviously I, people know that when I got in there in the first half, I, I came in and made a few mistakes and, um, you know, didn't really make an impact. So what I did was when I went in, I'm like, all right, let me just block everything, everything out. The clock doesn't matter. The score doesn't matter. Just go out there and do what I'm supposed to do and something good will happen. When you look at that, like you said, to just block it out and focus and do what you need to do and something good will happen, it's the best time for it to happen when you know that it's win or go home. So just what you could say about you know going through the ebb and flow of the season and then getting in there when Marek fouled out and knowing that you came up with some big plays in a situation where it is win or go back to Syracuse. Um, you know, another thing you know I thought about was you know I've 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 been able to make plays throughout the season. You know I've had obviously a bumpy season, but um, you know I know that I I know my capabilities and I know that I can help affect. I know I can help us win even though I'm not you know I haven't really been playing a lot. I know that I can get in there and I can help us win and the opportunity happened to come tonight and you know I'm happy that I could uh, do something to contribute. You had those plays, Barama had two big time plays as far as points wise he was able to get a bucket in the first half that brought the lead back to Syracuse, he did it in the second half around the same time to bring the lead back to Syracuse, just what you could say about you and Barama like he said, we're chomping at the bit, we're hungry, we want to get out there, you know he did some good things, you did some good things. Um, you know. I've been in both situations. I've been in both shoes. I've been in the shoes where you know, I've been out there the whole time. I've been I've been in these shoes now, and, and I'm starting to adjust to both. I know how to play both, and um, you know when the when the opportunities are minimized, you got to make sure you really focus in and try to make, take advantage of them. And then as far as Marek, 17 points in this game, he hit a three to beat the shot clock. Did a lot of plays inside. Just what you could say about how he's expanded himself offensively. I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for him. You know, coach is giving him an opportunity to go out there and do his thing, and he's taking advantage of it. And um, you know we need that going forward. I mean, we're around a 32, um, and, you know, if I think we can get production out of him or me or Barama or the not the core three, if we can get some extra, whether that's us three, me, me you know, and pass, us four, me, Barama, Pascal, Marek, if we can get some production, I think, shoot, <laughs> 
we can we can make some noise in this thing. From there, we move on in the conversations that I had inside of the locker room following Syracuse's victory in the round of 64 here in Detroit, Michigan, over the TCU Horned Frogs. We will continue here with Pascal Chuku about outside of the big three, what the other four have been doing. So the big three, and this is what you know their teammates call them themselves, O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard. Outside of that, the guys who are expected to score, expected to play 40 minutes, this was a game where Pascal did had some big plays, Barama had some big plays, Matthew had some big plays, Marek had some big plays, and that's why I said arguably this could be the best game that they played up to this point in 35 games this season. And here is what Pascal had to say about outside of the big three, what himself and the other three did on this team to help them get the victory over TCU at a crucial time. Um, I mean, obviously going to every game, everybody tried to contribute as much as they could. But, you know, I think if, you know, with the, um, the dynamic of the team, like we just have different different person going off and, you know, um, going off every night. You know, tonight happened to be Marek. You know, a lot of people were struggling in the beginning of the, t- the, beginning of the game. And, you know, he was the only one scoring. And I think that opened up the floor for a lot of people. And then when he got in foul trouble, O'Shea stepped up and so did um, Frank and um, man, everybody that came in, you know, contributed. I think, you know, that is something that we need to see from, you know, this team. Everybody, you know, contributing in their own way for us to, you know, go further. And I think everybody did tonight. Do you feel like you were able to dictate the pace of the game for the whole 40 minutes for the most part? Um, yeah, I think so, definitely, because, uh, you know, in the beginning of the game, we played um, such good defense. And, you know, you know, once, you know, once we start clicking defensively, I think that opens up, you know, our offense. And, you know, towards the end, you know, they made a couple of good plays and we adjusted to it and, you know, stopped them from, we made sure that every shot they took was a tough shot. And you can only, a player can only make so much of those. So, like, we try to limit open, um, their open looks and make every shot they take um, a really tough shot. And I think that will work in our favor. Seven foot two, we talked about this before. You're not supposed to make free throws, but you keep doing it. You did it at the end of this game. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been working on this, so I kind of expect myself to make it. <laughs> so I know some people, um, a lot of people, when I make it, um, they expect me to miss it. It's like the other way around. So, like, when I make it, they're surprised about me. It's like I said, the other way around. When I miss it, I'm like, man, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't be missing those. So I was able to make a, um, you know, all of it today to show people that I can actually shoot flashers. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. 
this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT live on location in Detroit, Michigan for this Sunday special, bringing you my conversations with Purdue, Butler, Michigan State, and Syracuse, all winners in their respective games inside of the round of 64 in the NCAA tournament. And coming up next in the conversation is my one-on-one with Marek Dolajai who in this game offensively just went off, got 17 points, just what he can say about what he did offensively and how he stepped up in this matchup. I tried to be aggressive and this was the key. I made some shots where I usually don't make, but today I had a good, a good day and you like and shoot the baskets. Just speak to your confidence. You look like in this game, maybe more so than any other game this season, you were confident to go out there and take those shots. Uh, I'm trying to be uh, more aggressive uh, every game and more confident every game. And I work out on that every day and this is the key. The three-pointer that you made in the first half, shot clock's running down, there's like three seconds left, and you threw it up. It was, I saw on the shot clock, it was like one, two seconds over one second. I, I really don't know, and Tyus passed me the ball like for you, and I just tried to hit the rim. And then as far as you know, getting that comfort level with Frank Howard and just some of the things you could speak on there, the alley-oop that he had to you, and just your play inside that they were looking for you today. They didn't have a good day today, big free. Uh, the ties and uh, Frank, uh, I step up, but they were a good game. Pascal did some good things. Barama stepped up. You stepped up. Matt Moyer in the last 30 seconds made some plays. Just what you can say about outside of those big three that you mentioned, just the rest of you stepping up in this game. Uh, we played a really good team uh, team game, and everybody stepped up this game, and that was the key. We need more than three players, and me, Pascal. Pascal has made uh, big rebounds, big shots. Uh, Matt, uh, good defense, really good defense uh, this game, and we can do it.
Marek Dolajai, obviously the offensive player of the game in this one and the player of the game in general. Moving on from Marek Dolajai, a freshman forward, to a fellow freshman forward on the team, O'Shea Brissett, on just what he can say about Marek Dolajai. Had won three in 34 games before this game, finished the game with 17 points, and, and has his second three of the season. Just what he could say about that. Wow, um, you know, just just confidence. You know, I've been saying all year. Um, once he finds his confidence, you know, he's a scary player because I've seen what he's able to do. But um, you know, today was just you know another example of that. And you know, once he can get going like that, it opens up the game for everyone else. Not just him, but Barama may plays, Matt may plays in the last 30 seconds, especially, and obviously what Pascal's done. Just what you could say about how these guys are all stepping up to help you guys at the most opportune time. It's great. You know, a lot of teams are scouting. You know, myself, Ty and Frank um, as the main scorer. So, you know, once everyone else could get going like that, you know, it really helps us out. And then lastly for me, to just look at this team, they're going to ask you about Michigan State, ask you about what's to come, uh-huh. but controlling the controllables and what you can do within this locker room, just what you can say about this team at this point. Uh, just playing our game. Um, that's something that, you know, Coach really talks about. Don't do too much, but, you know, do what you can do uh, within your game. Don't try to be the guy you aren't. That's when you make mistakes. So, you know, we're going to come uh, Sunday and do exactly what we did today and uh, you know it's going to work against you know a team that a lot of people think that we can't beat. From there we head to the backcourt of the Syracuse Orange and to Tyus Battle on being on a team that just will not go away. This is what he had to say about that. <laughs> I mean, uh, man, uh, every, every, someone steps up on every any night. If, tonight was it was tough for O'Shea, Frank, and I, and Marek stepped up huge, making threes, off balance floaters, putbacks. So, uh, I mean, that, that's what makes our team so special. When you look at Marek and just what he was able to do in this game, he's had a 20 point game. He had that recently, 17 in this game. He hits a three with a second left on the shot clock. He attacked inside. Just what you could say about. Everything that he did in this game. I mean, it was amazing, and that when you when you hustle that much, you're gonna it's, things are gonna work out for you. And, I, and I'm just so proud to um, see him play like that on the biggest stage, when especially when our, us, we're, we're struggling. Um, and, yeah, and, and we he got us that win the win today. They've been trying to step up the rest of the guys. They talk about the big three: you, O'Shea, and Frank. And in this game, Barama made some plays, got the lead back for you in the first half and in the second half. Erect yeah. did what he did. Pascal made plays, made those free throws down the stretch and then Matt Moyer came in after Marek went out and last 30 seconds was able to get that possession and make a free throw. Yeah, I mean uh, with Frank and I, they're going to they're gonna be trying to keep us out of the lane and just doubling our screens and just trying to take us out of the game uh, which they did tonight uh, but they left Marek open um, and when, when they tried to start guarding him it was too late, he already got going so um, we, we have guys that can step up. Matt, Matt came in the game, uh, not playing most of the game and just made huge defensive plays knocked down a free throw at the end of the game, passed knocked down free throws. O'Shea hit the three uh, ridiculous shots in a row. So uh, it was just a great team win today. The arena had two games. They had your game, and every time there was a break, they had UMBC against Virginia. 16 seed finally does it. One win, 135 losses, but it's it's no longer a goose egg. Just what you could say about that, and you guys obviously faced Virginia this year. You knew what they were about. I mean, I, I didn't even notice it until uh, they announced that in the game, when the game was over, that they were lost by 20. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a great win for them. I mean, Virginia's a really good team, very good defensively, great defensively, uh, and they made it tough for us. But uh, just to see another team beat them like that, it's, it's pretty impressive.
And finally, for today's special broadcast, a wake-up call with Dan Tortora here on a Sunday, Sunday, March 18th, that is, to get into my one-on-one conversation with Frank Howard on what this team has done this season together to get to 22 wins and counting. I think uh, you know it's special. You know I don't I don't know uh, any other history you know off the top of my head, but you know just the stuff we went through you know all year losing three guys, uh, you know from starting from the summer, you know you losing the big, you know then midseason losing the guard, and losing another guard, and we having three guys having to play 40 minutes a night. So you know uh, I think uh, it's kind of remarkable. You know this, this what we're doing. You know uh, we don't want to get too ahead of, ahead of ourselves. You know we understand. You know I think that's the one thing that's, that's good about this team and what also makes it special, you know, we, we have perspective, you know, we, we understand what's going on, we're not too excited, you know, the young guys are very level-headed, you know, uh, which is very impressive, so, you know, uh, we're happy to be here, you know, uh, we're, we're enjoying the moment, you know, we just want to embrace it. You, know, you had strep throat recently, yeah. y'all are taped up, mm-hmm. just what you can say, I mean, yeah. beaten and bruised and keep yeah. rolling. I don't, I mean, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know about too many other teams, but I think, you know, we, we got some of the toughest guys in the country, you know, uh, we, we fight every night, you know, fight it, fight hard every play, try to get loose balls, try to rebound, you know, our bigs are playing injured, you know, me and Tyus, you know, playing injured, you know, uh, and uh, I'm just proud of this team, you know, uh, we're fighting through, we want to keep fighting, you know, get one, get Sunday, you know, we know we got a break, so, you know, we want to, you know, we're playing a great team in Michigan State, you know, and uh, we want to Understand where we're at, you know, but uh, you know, like I said, anything can happen. Correct, Ojai, 17 mm-hmm. points in this game. Yeah. He hits a three yeah. right before the shot clock. Yeah. Just what you could say about what he did inside and what mm-hmm. he did outside in this game. Uh, you know, people say the same thing. You know, my freshman year about shooting the ball. You know, I think if you got touch, you know, it's all about ment- the mental part of the game. You know, and uh, mentality. You know, he has to be confident. You know, uh, he's working on his shot every day. You know, so his touch is so good. You know, he, he's going to be a great shooter, you know, uh, and he showed that tonight he could hit a big shot, you know, he's, and I mean, that kid, the, him, you know, you know, O'Shea, you know, they're special, you know, they, the, the plays they're making, you know, at, at this level, you know, in, this, in, the, in these moments, uh, you know, it's kind of special. Honestly, for me, there's there was some shine with that 10 seed a couple years ago that you yeah. were part of. Do you see any similar type of shine with this 11 seed at Syracuse? Uh, I see the, uh, you know, we got the same team, you know, mentality, I mean, you know, uh, Trev and Mike, you know, they, they led us that year. You know, uh, I learned from them. I learned from the coaching staff. You know, I know I kind of know what it takes, you know, to uh, get some wins down the stretch. And, you know, these guys do as well. So, you know, we want to keep fighting. You know, we're going to keep keep pushing. You know, uh, we could have quit, you know, a lot of plays tonight. You know, we, we didn't get a lot on offense. You know, we didn't get – they did a great job keeping us, keeping us out of paint, you know, being physical with us uh, on the perimeter. So, you know, uh, guys going to step up when we need them to, and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I always get a good feeling, you know, when we're in a tournament. I always get a good feeling when we're in the tournament. That coming from Frank Howard. Hard to believe when you look at this roster, it's crazy. Barama City Bay has never been to an NCAA tournament game before this season. Neither has Matthew Moyer, neither has Pascal Chuku or Marek Dolajai or Tyus Battle. As good as Tyus Battle is, I think it's easy to think, oh, yeah, he's played in the tournament because it's easy to confuse that. He's been really good, but he's only been on the team for two seasons and as a true freshman last season with Andrew White III and John Gillen and Tyler Lydon and company and Torian Thompson, they went to the NIT. 
and played in two games and went one and one. So Frank Howard is the only person on this team with game experience of being in the NCAA tournament. And the only thing he knows is miracles. The only thing he knows is hard work and determination. The only thing he knows is a team that found a way to come together. And maybe miracle isn't the right word to say. Because it's hard work, it's effort, it's enthusiasm, and it's taking what people are saying about you and not caring. It's taking the world trying to slap you in the face and you ducking some and maybe some of them connect with you and you going, well, I'm not going to hit you back. I'm just going to go do what I do. It's not about fighting with you. It's not about proving you wrong. It's about me and it's about my family. And it's about what my family and I can do together. Like Frank said, he goes, I always get a good feeling when we're in the tournament. I always get a good feeling when we're in the tournament. Well, the last time he was in was 2016. And that team made the Final Four. He's got a good feeling this year. And this team to 22 wins and counting has been pretty remarkable looking at the fact that they've had five and a half to six players all season long. And like I said, Frank Howard, the only one with NCAA tournament experience going into this season. You got Pascal, who barely played for Syracuse after sitting out for a year. You have, So almost two years away from you know game experience. You have Barama, who's not at 100% and never played on this team. You have Matthew Moyer, who, had, who hadn't played but was in practice after redshirting. You have... Marek Dolajai, who was coming over from Slovakia and had never played for this team. You have O'Shea Brissett coming from Canada, who had never played for this team. You know, it's crazy. And you have Frank, who was never asked to be an offensive player. And you have Tyus Battle, who was on a team that had five shooters last year, and he's the only one remaining. Everything was against this team to do nothing. If you can't respect them at this point, it's not because... You shouldn't. It's not because there's not proof. It's because you don't want to. And that's okay. Because they like that too. They appreciate the love. And they love the hate. Syracuse Orange. Moving on here. And Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Is moving in to cover more of the NCAA tournament. It has been a blessing and a privilege to speak with you. Live from Detroit, Michigan. God bless, and make sure that you follow on Twitter at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T, on Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT, on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT. You can get the RSS feed, the downloadable app powered by Podbean, and the iTunes podcast by going to WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage. You can look up Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on TuneIn Radio because we're there now as well. And, of course, you got to become a member of the live feed on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy March Madness, folks. Can't wait to talk with you this week. God bless you. Be good to yourself and be good to one another.